0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Politicus. My name is Angela Samos, and I'm here with my esteemed co host, Denise Borges. How are you, Denise?
1: I'm doing fine, and how is my most esteemed uh, <laughs> chairperson for the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States and uh, most awesome chairperson in the cosmos?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad that retainer is is uh, paying off, Denise. Thanks for hey, fulfilling I, your I, duties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're doing well um, out here in California. It's a bit spooky with the uh, environment being smoky and the skies are orange, but you know we're surviving amongst every other crisis that's happening this year. (laughs) So today we have an exciting guest.
1: Um, Her name is
0: Teresa Agonia, Senior Deputy Chief of Staff for Mayor Alorza in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, And I believe it may be one of the first uh, chief of staffs for an elected official that we've had on uh, ever. It is the yes, first. Yes, so. Yeah,
1: it is the first ever, and and and, and of course, uh, such an important city is Providence.
0: Right. So, welcome, Teresa. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So, why don't we just get started and have you tell our listeners, you know, how you got started on your path, uh, a little bit about your background in the community, uh, and then schooling and career path.
2: Sounds great. So, as Angela mentioned, uh, my name is Teresa uh the full Portuguese name, and I was born and raised in Central Falls, Rhode Island. I am the proud daughter of two immigrants. Both of my parents are from Viana do Castelo and Minu, Portugal, in Minho, Portugal, on the mainland, and they both came to this country with really just aspirations of accomplishing the American dream, and I start off there because I think so much of their story is why I am who I am today. You know, they came here with what could fit in a few suitcases. It's the story of so many of our parents and so many immigrants in this amazing country. And it's their sacrifice that really propelled me to where I am. We grew up in an immigrant, a predominant immigrant community that was majority minority. So it was very normal for me to speak two languages at home because all of my friends were as well. So grew up in a bilingual, bicultural home. Uh, learning Portuguese as I was learning English, and went to Portuguese school for nine years. And it was as a child that I really started getting really in touch with my Portuguese community and and culture. In addition to going to Portuguese school, I also at the age of eight entered raishu, a folkloric dance in Rhode Island, and was part of the raishu for 17 years. Again, just part of that, those traditions, the deep traditions of our community and really love um, just the Portuguese dance and everything that it embodies has always been something so special to me. So grew up in uh, Central Falls and went to Roger Williams University in Rhode Island to study media communications with a focus in public relations. And... I really thought I would end up in communications, but I always had this passion for public service growing up. I always loved the idea of helping people and being really in touch with the community. And so after graduating from Roger Williams, I started in communications for a nonprofit in Providence at the Latino Policy Institute. And as we all know, the Latino community, their story is so similar to that of ours in the Portuguese community. So I was there for a while and then went Uh, and was offered a job opportunity for the mayor of Central Falls doing communications for his team. And that was really special to me because it was a community that that I grew up in and really loved and knew so much about. And so to really give back to my community was just a real big propelling moment in my career. And I was there for about a year and a half. And then from there, um, now mayor um, of Providence, but then the mayor-elect Jorge Alorza, had won his election and reached out to me and and offered me a position with the city of Providence to come into his team as deputy chief of staff. So I have since been on his team. So came in January of 2015, when we first took office, Have been here almost six years, have grown to senior deputy chief of staff and oversee a big portfolio of engagement and strategic um, priorities of the mayor. And it's been amazing because I think, unfortunately, in Rhode Island, in the political sphere, there is not a good representation of Portuguese um, people, and representation is so important. Mm-hmm. So it's been an honor to be in this position, but also to be a utility person that can work for the Portuguese community. Wow. So
0: not to digress a little bit, but I have to say Viana do Costello is really one of my favorite places in Portugal, and it, now it. I mean, how does it feel to have a a festa, like one of the most amazing festas in Portugal to have your name, the Festa Senhora Agonia. It's an amazing event. And uh, you must be very proud to attend that and have it be your namesake.
2: Yeah, funny story. So uh, I was baptized in Portugal, so I've been traveling there since I was a baby uh, and frequent there often just because so much of my family is there. I was there a few years ago, maybe about like eight years ago. And I was at Santo Inho in, right, Mm -hmm. like in Vienna. And I was dancing and a gentleman asked me my name and we're speaking in Portuguese. And I said, Teresa Gunia. And he was like, no way. And I was like, "Uh, yeah. yeah?" (laughs) And then he was like, do you know about this festa in Vienna? And I was like, yeah, I know. Um, But it's such a beautiful festa. I actually was able to be in the the parade of gowns a few years ago oh my gosh yeah it was wow. and I was in my family's um uh, outfit and wearing the gold of my family that my mom wore years ago in the in the, the spiel so it was really symbolic to to be in a photo with the same jewelry that my mom had you know decades ago it was a it was such an awesome opportunity to be in that fish thus. Oh my God. I can
0: like feel the pride and just the, ugh, yeah. what, As and even like as a parent, I can imagine the pride that your mom felt. So amazing. Amazing. Thank you for, for mentioning yeah. that. Anyway, I don't want to digress, but that's a whole other cultural podcast <laughs> we could talk about. Um, so your position as deputy chief of staff, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Um, you know, what kinds of things are you, um, are you helping to craft communications and and coordinating? Uh, You mentioned uh, engagement, community engagement, what kinds of things are you working on?
2: Yeah, so I oversee four departments, and including our community relations department, um, our constituent service department, the mayor's executive office, our human relations commission. So I oversee a portfolio that tries to work directly with residents and organizations to make sure that our policy is aligning with what our community wants. And more importantly, they help, they build that for us and they know about what's going on in the city. It's one thing to have a good operation, but if people don't feel connected to what you're doing, you're missing a really big opportunity because local Mm -hmm. government is the closest access point that people have to making sure that, you know, a pothole is fixed or trash is picked up or, you know, maybe they need support with the landlord. So there's there's a a real big portfolio in like constituent service work, but in Mm -hmm. addition to that, I work on strategy around sponsorships and strategic partnerships, um, small business support, education, and um, sponsorships and event engagement. So making sure that our community is reflective of who lives here. So are we creating space and opportunity to celebrate the different cultures that happen here? So it's a little bit of everything. And I think that's why I enjoy my job so often, because every day does look so different. You know, one day Mm -hmm. I'm raising money for the biggest arts festival that we have in the state. And the next day, a constituent walks in and needs support, you know, finding a new home. And maybe that's not something we're supposed to help with. But if someone walks in and needs that kind of support, you take time out of your day to get them what they need and connect them with someone that can help them. Those are the moments that, you know, even if it's not in a traditional job description, to be able to support people in that time of need is really important and why government should work for people. Right.
0: And what kind of things are you hearing from the Portuguese community? I mean, do you have people from the community coming to your office and requesting assistance in a particular area or advocating for a particular policy or something? What kinds of things is the Portuguese community there in Providence um, asking for?
2: It's it's a lot. I mean, um, there's no particular focus area. I think what has surprised me, or not surprised me, but what um, I've noticed in the past five and a half years in this job is the Portuguese community is thriving in Providence. They are in the business community, the construction field. They um, need to, they know how to access government when they need contracts or constituent support. So it's been great to see that it is a vibrant community here. I will say recently, um, you know, in, in the advocacy that I've been hearing, um, supports for contracts with the government have come up and, Minority women-owned businesses, in particular, there was some legislation at the state house that was recently proposed in Rhode Island to remove Portuguese from that qualification. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people reached out to me asking, "Hey, I know this is the state house, but how do I navigate this? Where do I send my feedback?" And so I spent some time talking with people and making sure that they knew how to have their voices heard and and where to plug in how that could fit in. Um, but you know, even though that's not in my that's at the state house, it's important to be able to figure that information out to make sure that Portuguese people know how their voices can be heard. And in particular, that is something that's so important. And I totally disagree with that legislation. So it was always something that also something that, you know, also as a community member, I advocated around as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Palcas actually
0: uh, was aware of that. And we sent Letters not only to the the legislator that introduced the bill, but then all the other legislators, um, you know making our position known um, and uh, you know making sure that um Uh, they knew how the community felt about that, right? So, um, yeah We were well aware of that and and thankfully, you know The feedback that we got is that um, that bill was not going to get a lot of support in pretty much Before it even got to the floor. So that was good to hear um, so what about things like the census? So, so that was a big initiative, you know, that Palkus worked on for the last few years and encouraging people to to respond to the census and fill out um, and write in Portuguese and they could write in Azorean or Madeiran or uh, Portuguese and, and then also check whichever race they m- most identified with. What was your experience like with the census there locally? And did you see engagement from the community around that?
2: Yeah. I mean, first of all, the census is so important. So if there's anyone listening um, who hasn't been counted, know that the census is directly tied to a lot of federal funding that cities get. So um, the census is very important. So I want to stress that. Providence was the ac- uh, was actually the only city in the entire country that had a test run about two years ago. So from the beginning, we um, felt it very important to launch this complete count committee um, in which Marie Fraley was a part of um, through Paucus and through her, you know, organizing in the Portuguese community. But I think it's such an important opportunity for pe- uh, Portuguese people to also mark, uh, mark who they are. So I know mm-hmm. um, a big hashtag that I was following that Paucus was uh, promoting was Make Portuguese Count, which was also, I think, an opportunity to say that, you know, Portuguese people could have their own category because we're such a large population. And so I think it's important, one, to fill out the census because of what it's tied to around federal funding and acknowledging the real population that you have in a municipality, Mm -hmm. um, municipalities throughout the country, but Mm -hmm. also making sure that we have a better understanding of who is in our community is really important and how they identify.
1: Teresa, I wanted to ask a question in regards to what you just mentioned about the... uh, Presence and the importance of uh, municipalities and local governments at times in Portuguese American world. We feel you know We look at uh, oh, we have a couple people of Portuguese background in Congress So we have this or that person at the state level and we you know uh, I'm reminded of you know, the famous line, you know, all politics is local and so uh, How important would it be uh, from your perspective? And someone who's worked very closely with uh, uh, municipalities, with local governments, how important is it for Portuguese Americans throughout the various states, where we have you know large populations, whether it be in the East Coast or the West Coast, that we concentrate a bit more? Uh, and I'll uh, make a little bit of an editorial on my part here. I, I believe it's very important. But how important do you feel to so that we concentrate a bit more on getting? Portuguese Americans, whether they're immigrants or first, second, or even third generation into the local world where there's some policies that affect us, you know, on an everyday basis? What are your thoughts?
2: I It's such an important question and it is truly so important. Representation matters at all levels, but in particular, the local level is where people start to sometimes get more involved. Um, they know about their community, but it's also a potential stepping stone. So, you know, just here in Providence as an example, the former mayor of Providence ran to be in Congress and now he's in Congress in DC. So, you know, being mayor was his platform into going down to DC and being a Congressperson. So it's often our elected officials who end up elevating to state or federal positions, and then they are representing an entire population. So they're no longer representing just the city, but a potential county or a state. So if you don't have adequate representation, you don't have people passing policies that matter to your constituency. You know, I, I use myself as an example. When I'm in meetings with the mayor, um, who is also the, the son of immigrants, the perspective that we bring to conversations around policy engagement, uh, program development, is those of our stories. All human beings, we are a compilation of our lived experiences. And if, as a lived experience, I can say, hey, if we're going to do this program, you know, as as someone who had a mother who worked in a factory, if we're going to do this announcement before at 4:30, you know, our immigrant population can't come because they're working at the factory, and you know, mm-hmm. we have to think about an evening time or a Saturday time we're through those lived experiences we bring those conversations and we elevate those experiences so if you can only have people in office who live privileged lifestyles you don't get those true experiences that many immigrants have
1: indeed and and you also mentioned uh, two other things that I'd like to touch upon if I may please uh, and one of them you talked about sometimes the lack of representation of the portuguese american community uh, in all levels of politics in uh, in in Rhode Island, because uh, uh, being a small state, but it's a state that has a very very large, one well, of the largest por- percentage-wise, the largest Portuguese uh, American uh, population. Is there is there a movement uh, within the state of Rhode Island? Are there any um, platforms that you see that have been done or need to be done in order to get Portuguese Americans a bit more involved uh, in their city, their or their or their state?
2: There absolutely needs to be. I've met with two individuals this year about that exact initiative, getting more people into local and state offices. Uh, it's, it's really sad. Unfortunately, we have one person out of you know all levels of government in, Port- in Rhode Island who identifies as Portuguese. And I actually think, unfortunately, he lost his election on Tuesday, although results aren't finalized until this week. But um, and, you know, so now we'll go down to zero. And and that's really important. We used to have the Senate president in Rhode Island was Portuguese. We used to have uh, representatives and senators and to not have anyone. is challenging because although as a person, you know, we we say that we don't have biases, we say that we are serving all people, you know, there's a certain level of empathy you have when you connect with someone's story and you understand their upbringing. And if someone is in this country who, you know, they might feel a little more empowered to be engaged if someone looks like them or someone knows their experience. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly why we need more Portuguese officials um, everywhere. Well, and, also- and you
1: also mentioned, um, go ahead, Angela. No, I'm I was going to, to tie in a little bit of the, uh, of the Latino community. Cause you mentioned, you know, the, the, the Latino community and, and, and throughout the United States um, in these key areas, such as Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Here in the West Coast in California, the Latino community is a a, well. In California, is a very prominent community, as you as you well know, Uh, and and it's a growing community throughout. uh, Also, obviously, in your area in your in uh, in New England states, how in California, for example, it's kind of impossible for someone of Portuguese background to get elected with just the Portuguese vote. And I think that's a lot, and even in areas you know of Massachusetts and Rhode Island, you need to of course represent everyone, and you need to have a big umbrella, but. um, to me and in your in your capacity as someone who's been involved in communications how important do you feel that bridges need to be made and I, think, I know there's some bridges that are made but even more uh, need to be constructed with the latino community which we have lots in common including religion and everything else to have a better working Relationship in order to get even more Portuguese Americans through, uh, through you know, involved in Latino associations and vice versa, so we can get a bigger voice in uh, in government. How important, or how, or what do you see uh, important or not? What do you see uh, as the prospects of having a uh, as a Latino community being a, a partner of the Portuguese American community?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's so important, and in particular, I think we really as a country need to focus on our our young population getting people to build those bridges, the younger they are, the more sustainable our traditions are and the more sustainable that trajectory can be for our community. You know, it has to start younger. And I think that's, that's something that I really think is so important. You know, not only as a young woman, I'm only 28 years old, but also because I grew up knowing about building those bridges. I grew up thinking about this and, and service. So the younger we can start having those conversations with our families, with our children, I think the better off this country will be. Um,
0: one thing that I that we always, uh, I think is interesting is um, when it comes to the lack of representation, and, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with, with Denise that even in a state um, like Rhode Island, where there's a large Portuguese population, you can't rely solely on the Portuguese population to to elect um folks of Portuguese heritage. But it's always interesting to me that, you know, in, a, in an area um, where there are so many Portuguese, that there is that lack of representation. And, and we talk about that in California as well. You know, yes, we have um, two, uh, three, two congressmen now. He had three um, out of California, Portuguese-American congressmen. And we are seeing some growth in terms of local um elected officials, you know, more and more Portuguese Americans uh, running for office. But there's still not as many as you would think, right? And so just from your perspective, why do you think that might be? Um, and, and how do we encourage more people to to run for office?
2: A, a few reasons come to mind. I, I mean, first, it's it's kind of intimidating. When you sign up for mm-hmm. public service um, and and public office, you're giving your entire self to your community and you're stripping away the opportunity to have a private life. You're, you know, our mayor is literally um, not just because I work for him, but, you know, seven days a week, nonstop, your your community needs you and you have to answer the call. So I think it's kind of an intimidating thing for people to know that you have to really give it your all to have an impact in whatever capacity you want to serve. Mm-hmm. I also think unfortunately the political times that we're living in are not inspiring you know I <laughs> personally was really moved by the 2008 election of President Obama because I felt like it was someone that I could relate to I felt like for a first time young people were being targeted to really get involved and um, it was his election that really like sparked this interest in government for me but you know I don't know that people in the last five years have felt inspired by what they're seeing at the federal government. Thankfully, local government is where you know true politics happens as uh, was mentioned earlier. But I think at the federal level, we're at a, such a difficult time and people are so divided that people think that is what happens at every level of government. And mm. I try mm. so hard to reinforce that what you see at the federal level is absolutely the exact opposite of what you see at the local level. At the local level, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you need your trash picked up, we pick it up. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no time for ideological differences. You just have to get work done at the local level. And that's what I try to emphasize with people when I'm trying to encourage them to get involved is don't pay attention to the negativity that's happening at the federal level. Know that the reason you should be involved is because our country needs you right now more than ever.
0: Yeah, that's actually a recurring theme uh, that we've as we've talked to local elected officials that um, they are much more collaborative with folks on the other side of the aisle and and much more gets done. And so to your point, it's not reflective of how things operate at the federal level, which is good to hear. Right. Because. Um, Yeah, that I think that gives people hope that at least in their local cities and and counties uh, and perhaps even at the state level that that they know things are getting done uh, more effectively. Exactly. Um, So I know that we are coming up on our time. Denise, I don't know if you had any uh, last questions before we ask uh, that as for for some words of advice. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, yeah, before um other than wanting to know everything about Vienna do Castelo now, uh <laughs> I
2: uh,
1: I, w- I wanted to uh Teresa to talk a little bit if she if she would on um, how much, you know, being uh, you you obviously had a very very strong connection to Portugal going there just about every year and everything else and and that's uh, you know, that's a little bit more uh, in uh, that doesn't happen in certain parts of, uh, of of the states, especially here in California, where people are very far from Portugal, and 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 many don't visit for maybe if they're lucky every four or five years, and so there's a different connection. So you've had that very strong connection, and I mean even people who are whose parents you know were born there, such as yours, you know. They don't, in certain parts of, uh, of of California, even New England, they don't go there as often. So you've had that constant connection with Portugal and with your community uh, through your parents. How important was that Portuguese connection was those nine years? And kudos to you for putting up with nine years of community school, uh, because I thought <laughs> in one and I know how it is. And and, and I've had... Has, uh, Some very good friends who teach it in community schools, but they're they're after-school programs, you know, so it's something that you had to do after your normal school, um, quote-unquote normal school. But the – so (laughs) your your contacts with the school, with the community school, your contacts with the community, your contacts with with Portugal on an ongoing basis – you obviously speak Portuguese. um, How important were those values – to having you go into public service uh, in in this field? And how important were they in shaping your views of who you are?
2: It was really important and always just emphasized in our household for me. And I honestly feel, you know, I obviously wasn't always part of that decision because it started at such a young age, but I'm so appreciative that my parents really instilled that in me. And, you know, unfortunately, my dad has since passed away. He passed away when I was only 16 to cancer in 2008. So it's, it's just been my mom for a while now. But the values that they instilled were that even though we're in America, we are Portuguese and we need to celebrate that and acknowledge that. And part of that was just even in speaking Portuguese at home. You know, like it's great to speak uh, English in this country, but also it's you want to learn another language, there's so much value there. Or if your family comes from another country, don't be ashamed and speaking that language. So I'm also just more than anything appreciative that they really instilled the importance of the language from a young age and spoke it at home. And, you know, as much as I also hated, you know, going to Portuguese school, because it meant I couldn't <laughs> go outside and play with my friends.
0: Sure.
2: You know, it, it, it's just so important. And, you know, one day I look forward when I have kids to sending them to Portuguese school and you know, having them dance in the Ranshu and and all of that, because if we don't carry our traditions, they'll die. And we don't want that for such a beautiful culture that is so rich. So, you know, I, I almost feel like I am who I am because they decided that. But I'm thankful that, you know, they really struck that as something that was so important. I also think they were both very into, you know, they really prioritize education and knowing so that you can give back to your community. So I think that from a young age too, is also really important.
1: I must ask one question. Are you ever, are you considering running for office? Is that something that you might even think about? I mean, remotely, remotely, just remotely, just, you know, something, you know, who knows you're just in your early, in your mid twenties. So maybe, you know, in in 10 years from now or something like that, is that, has that ever come across your mind? Because I think you, uh, I'll move into this or can vote for you.
2: Thank you. I I do have some pledged votes for whenever it happens, but uh, you know, I I don't want to say never, but it's not something that I want to do at this moment but I do see myself continuing to work in public service and I really enjoy working for inspiring people who have an important platform to get out there. So I won't say never, but it's not something I want to do at this time.
1: (laughs) Okay, Angela, our last last, uh, $64,000 question.
2: Right,
0: right. So um, for those who do want to get involved in public service, whether that's actually running for office or not, but perhaps they want to, you know, work for an elected official in, in a capacity like you are, what would be your advice on how to get started, um, how to stay motivated and, uh, you know, and, and move around, uh, navigate the, the world of public
2: service? One thing for me that has been really important is know your value. And as someone who came into politics at 23 years old, as a young woman who also did pageants, you know, I competed at Miss USA a few years ago, and there was that stereotype and that stigma. For me, I I was sometimes questioned as a young woman in politics, it is often the, the boy's world. And so I think in particular, knowing your value is something that is so important, especially for young women who I want to see more women in public service and uh, in public service in particular. When you know your value, you know that you should be speaking up at those meetings. You bring a seat to the table if there isn't one. Know that your experiences are so important in crafting legislation, crafting policies, whatever that that might be. And I, I don't think it's often said enough for women to know that their value is important. So that would be my biggest takeaway, especially because, you know, when I first came in, I went through some personal experiences where I didn't always feel that. That would be my number one, just know your value and know that this is a space that even if it doesn't feel inviting, it needs your voice every step of the way.
1: Indeed, I and Angela, as a, yeah. as a good friend of ours, uh, has paraphrased, uh, another. Uh, quite a few politicians have used that uh, that uh, that phrase as well, that uh, Teresa just used, you know, know your value and, you know, bring a seat to the table if they don't have a seat for you. Uh, we have a friend of ours that always says, you know, if you're not, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're the menu. So, uh, yeah, you. absolutely. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, I think that was a great bit of advice and I, and I think honestly it could be applied um, even beyond politics as far as knowing your value in, yeah. in any industry that you're working on. So it's a great bit of advice. Um, we have reached our time, but thank you so much. Uh, it was really great speaking with you. Hopefully it's not the last time we'll be keeping in touch for sure. And please keep us uh, updated on, on things that are happening in your, your world and your district. And um you know, because PACUS is here to serve the community. And so wherever we can be of assistance, you know, please let us know. And thank you everyone out there for for listening uh, to another episode of Politicus. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, please do. And please share the podcast with friends and family so we can continue reaching more people with these important conversations. Um, And if you have a minute, please leave us a review on iTunes because that will help more people find us and join the conversation about uh, Portuguese Americans role in the political world. And with that, um, thank you again, uh, Teresa. Thank you, Denise. Thank you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of PALCUS, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. PALCUS is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about PALCUS and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palcus@palcus.org. at palkis.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palcus. Politicus is made possible through the support of the Luzo American Development Foundation.